Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hi, welcome to the NFL Legends Podcast. I am Aeneas Williams. And today I'm excited that I get a chance to converse on this podcast with a slot receiver. But make no mistake about it, he's a key receiver when it comes down to transparency leading to transformation. And he's talking about his story of recovery, his story of being clean since 2013, his story of what it was like to have a teammate and the National Football League get involved and get this, a seventh wife reaching out to the National Football League, begin the journey of his recovery. I can't wait to hear this. Let's listen in. First, let's start out, Vance. Hey, man, you're from Trenton, New Jersey, where uh, Troy Vincent, uh, over football operations, come on, man, tell us how you leave Trenton and got to Arizona. But first, are there any little secrets we need to know about the Vincent family that you would know uh, being from Trenton, New Jersey? Yeah, that was a key point. You said, are there any, any secrets about the Vincent family that I would know? <laughs> yes, there are some secrets. That's why it's a secret. But have, you, <laughs> have you heard the term, what Trenton makes, the world takes? No, I had not. Wow. Absolutely, brother. That's what All it right. says. In fact, I think it says that on a bridge out there when you crossed over into Philadelphia. But I'm actually originally from Trenton, New Jersey. Troy Vincent is from there. And I had a chance to run into him. Is My father grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. So that's where... Our family grew up at all the way back from the early 1900s. And my father ended up having to join the service out in Arizona because he was a part of a gang there in New Jersey and got in a lot of trouble. He was one of the last gang members alive. So he was stationed out in Fort Huachuca, Arizona, where he met a 15-year-old young lady. He was 20 years old, actually proposing to her one day. And so wow. she got pregnant. They moved back to New Jersey. I was born. <laughs> so they had to come back to uh, Trenton to have you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they went back out to Trenton, New Jersey, where I was born at. Right. And unfortunately, though, my father kind of went back to his old ways being there in Trenton. So they went back and forth for the next 12 years. My sister was born out in Trenton, too. Eventually, it got to a point, though, where, you know, we just had to go to Arizona because my dad was just really living that crazy lifestyle there in Trenton. And unfortunately, there's a saying, and I don't know if you ever heard this, you can take the brother out of Trenton, but you can't take Trenton out the brother. Gotcha. So nothing really gotcha. changed. No, it was good. Now, Vince, as a receiver, uh, how did you create the mental edge over defensive backs and cover guys? You know, that's a really good question, man. And it, it started from the very beginning. So when I was a rookie, you know, I, I was only like 170 pounds. My first time playing wide receiver in the NFL. And I played against guys like Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes. And they were kicking my butt because I was a little guy. So what I had to do at that early stage was start to watch and pay attention to see what those guys were doing, what their strengths were, so I can figure out how this little guy was going to be able to manipulate them during the game. We can get into that, too, if you want to know how I really did it. <laughs> now, what is it like almost seeing a resurgence of what we would call the, the small slot receivers? We're seeing yeah. uh, rugs and all of these guys. It's become these guys are going in the first round. Two of them may go from the University of Alabama alone. 
That's exactly right. And the reason why is what, what happens is, is that slot receiver is probably one of the most important positions on the offense. And that guy needs to have some great peripherals so that he can know linebacker positions, cornerback positions, whether it's a strong safety or free safety, so that when they start running these different routes, they know exactly where they're going to be in the gap so that they'll be open to catch that ball. And it doesn't make a difference how tall you are. It's just you got to know how to get open. And that's the reason why that slot position is one of the most important. Now, here's the, here's the conversation. Not only were you, but you had the three amigos. Am I right? You guys call it the three amigos. Now, when you when we played against you, I didn't think you were a good a good amigo. I didn't want you to be my friend. All right, that's the first thing. <laughs> but no, no, seriously. But the other thing is, how did you get over? And how does the little guy get over coming across that middle? Linebacker safeties looking to hey, this is a little guy. Let me see if I can punish him. How did you? Uh, get past that. And the second question is when fans come see and they see you walk up to you and see you not this big guy, how often you get the question, how in the world did you last in the NFL? So I'm going to answer that one first. So basically it was this, when, when people with fans would come up to me and be like, you're a little guy. How did you make it to the NFL? I said, because I was scared and I didn't like to get hit. So I always knew how I was going to be able to get away from these big guys. Like and so I played, big when you said that. <laughs> that's right. I played scared. And that's the reason why, which answers the first question. What I would do is whenever I had to go up to catch a ball, I always knew that I was not going to be in the same position after the ball came. So I knew the defensive back was coming. And so I would jump up in the air like this, but I would turn like this when I caught the ball so that when they hit me, they wouldn't be able to just knock my head off. That's exactly how I ran. I always played scared. That's why I was pretty good. Now, are you being facetious when you say you played scared or were you no. really scared? Oh, brother, I'm serious, man. I was scared to death out there because it got to a point where, you know, I had a lot of injuries during my career and I was on a lot of pain medications and everything. So I did sustain a lot of injuries, but because it was my identity, I wanted to go out there and just give it all I had. So my playing scared actually was my benefit out there on the football field, man. So you're going against Michael Haynes. All these guys over six feet, right? The, dude, they were giants. In fact, right. there's, I remember watching a, a, a play where Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes, one of them actually threw me down on the ground, man, and was poking my eyes out right in the beginning of the game because they didn't want me to be able to see the ball during the game. So you don't see a lot of that stuff. They edit it right. sometimes there, even though you're watching the game live. <laughs> so you played with one of the best quarterbacks of all times, right? Coming, one of the best prospects as well of all times, John Elway coming out of Stanford. But you and I played a game against each other. My rookie year, December 15, 1991, I never forget. It was cold in Denver. And I was fortunate. I had a chance to pick off Elway a couple of times. You and I didn't have too many matchups. But do you remember that game? I do remember that game. You know, it's really awesome. We were looking forward to you guys coming to us because it was hard to beat the Broncos at home, wasn't it? Right, exactly. <laughs> high, that alt altitude and everything, absolutely. We all, and we prepared. And you know, this is going to be a secret that you're going to hear. So we were prepared knowing which teams were coming so that we could figure out how to make you guys tired. So by the end of the game, you know, the defensive linemen or the offensive linemen couldn't, couldn't keep up with us because we knew that altitude was going to play a big part in the victory. And let me tell you another thing about John Elway. So in the beginning of the game, John would call the play, ready, break. But at the end of the game, he would call the play and he said, you better catch that football. Ready, break. That's how we did it, man. He would say that to you guys right before Dude, you broke the huddle? 
Yeah, John would actually actually say it in 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 different terms. He would use some different language at the end of the game. In fact, sometimes John would threaten us and whether we would have a job on the football team with Denver Broncos the next year if we didn't catch the ball. That's why we had such amazing comebacks at the end of the game. Now here's a question for you. I see you now. You got all your hair cut off. Would your hairstyle fit in today's uh, culture that you had when you were playing? It would actually fit perfect because, you know, <laughs> I was one of the original guys with long hair. And believe it or not, Dan Reeves, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, we were playing in the game against the Cleveland Browns. And when they uh -huh. tackled me, they kept tapping me by my long hair. And so Dan said, you better cut your hair off or you're going to get cut. So that's the only reason why I'm bald today. <laughs> All right, let's go down the journey of, of, of recovery. And I'm excited to talk about that. You mentioned transparency is the key to transformation. I wrote that statement down. Let's talk about your own personal journey, journey which has led, led you to dedicate your life to helping others who struggle with substance abuse vans. What led you to where you are now? You know, I'm going to be real transparent with you guys. So what you saw, unfortunately, on the football field, what I just shared, even with the joy that I was sharing with, was just the edited version of Vance Johnson. Because behind the scenes, I was broke. And I was broke emotionally. I had a lot of trauma that I grew up in and around because my father married at 15-year-old. He ended up being very abusive. He was also a functional alcoholic and he used drugs too, but he just really didn't show me how to be a father or a husband. So growing up and looking for that identity, being a pro football player one day, growing up and then achieving that, unfortunately, it's like climbing a ladder. When you get to the top, the only place to go is down, especially when you're a pro ball player. So during my career, man, I really struggled. I was in several relationships. I had some issues that I had problems with. I had to go on the Open Wolfie show to make an apology. So I struggled and just dealt with life by using. I used drugs and alcohol even during my career. I would show up at the game actually high, but by the halftime, I ran it off by then. So I was able to go out there and perform. So I struggled. But then after my career was over with, and by the way, let me say this to you guys. Do you know I had three women pregnant during my career at the same time? At the very same time, I had three sons. One of those sons I met was because I cheated on my wife who was pregnant. I had a girlfriend I was dating pregnant, and I had another man's wife pregnant. And the only way I was able to deal with life at that time was by using behind the scenes. So my only reality was when I was on the football field. And then after 10 years and three Super Bowls, when my career was over with, the only place to go was down. And unfortunately, how I coped during my career was even worse after my career. And that's the reason why I just leaned on drugs and alcohol to deal with life on life's terms. Hmm. So Vance, would, did any of your teammates know where you really were? You know, it's interesting you said that because there were certain guys that I was friends with, like my amigos, who really tried to hold me up, but I would hide behind the scenes. I would get in a lot of trouble, man. I would get pulled over by the cops sometime on a Saturday going 120, 130 miles an hour because I was Vance Johnson. They wouldn't arrest me. I got in a car accident one time where they had to take me to the hospital. I was high and the doctors recognized me. And so when the cops came to find out what was going on and who this guy was, they had to hide me where they hit, where they put the bodies at when people die in hospitals so that they wouldn't get me in trouble. I got in a car accident one time where I ran into somebody, man. I mean, I gotta be transparent with you guys because the brothers that are watching me right now, I need to show you that I am way worse than you ever could see yourself as. And that's why my transparency is so important right now. I think I went all over the place with that answer right there, but it's just really important for me to just open up to everybody so they can see that many of us deal with a lot of underlying issues and even during our career. And unfortunately, because we climbed to the top of that ladder right. where we're famous now, the only place to go is down. 
when your identity goes, when your f- football career is over with, we just fall. Tell me this, Vance, as you're going through all of this behind the scenes, you're having the challenges with ladies, your wife, going public, even talking with Oprah Winfrey. What was it like for Vance? Was Vance inside just that, that little kid trying to figure things out? Tell me about that. You know what's awesome, brother? You have to be a former ball player because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because obviously you can relate with this in some respect, even though it's not to my level. And yes, that little kid inside who wanted to achieve this identity, unfortunately, once you achieve that identity that you thought you had to achieve rather than receive, you don't know where to go but down. And so I really struggled. So that's another reason why I'm so transparent to let you know former ball players know. And hopefully I'll be able to educate even current ball players right. that. The things you go through in your life to be a famous ball player is actually going to be how you're going to play on the life playing field when your career is over with. And so you're going to be able to help more people by mm-hmm. knowing that you have to fall down to get up. You mentioned, you said, instead of attempting to achieve, instead of receive. Explain right. that. I always thought as a child, because like I said, I grew up in a traumatizing childhood, mm-hmm. that an identity had to be something that was achieved rather than received. I'm a man of faith. And so I got to just be real transparent. I didn't even realize, even though I thought I thought I was a believer, my faith didn't show up until I found myself just so broken that I was literally almost at a place where I was dying. And that's the reason why I realize now that my identity was actually received as a child, not achieved as being this pro athlete. Mm. And that's the reason why who I am now is in my faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just had to say it. Hallelujah, right. brother. No, I've been a Christ follower as, as well, man. I am um, the transparency. Because whether a Christ follower or regardless of what, what a human being believes, this identity thing, particularly for our younger generation as well, um, how did you know you were to the point of being broken? When did brokenness hit you where you knew I needed help? And the second part of that question, why is it so hard in our sport of masculinity? for us to come to the point where we say we need help. This is how it happened, man. So I lived that really dark lifestyle after my career was over with like many former ball players who I'm actually reaching out to right now who are struggling all over the country because I know where I hide at and I hid. And so not even family was able to encourage me to try to get any help because to me, I was this former football player and you can't tell me what to do. Well, it got to a point where I crashed in the car And I was using guys. I screamed out one day in the canyon. I was just asking God to please help me because I couldn't do this anymore. I ended up using myself into a coma where I went. My mother picked me up and took me to the hospital. I fell on the ground into a 28 day coma at day 24. They pulled the plug on me. And so it wasn't until I was screaming out, guys, to to God to help me that all of a sudden my seventh ex-wife and I got a long story. My seventh ex-wife reached out to the NFL because I was a million dollars in debt. They reached out to former Tampa Bay Buccaneer Randy Grimes. And guess what? Teammates listen to teammates, ballplayers listen to ballplayers. Randy Grimes reached out to me and did an intervention on me to tell me, listen, man, I struggle too. Many ballplayers struggle. And then he kind of just really played it out for me until I said, you know what, man? You're right. I need some help. And so the NFL offered me an opportunity to go get that help. And that's when I really realized that the NFL actually is way bigger than people think because just like the legends is here for us, right. the NFL is there to help these former ball players, and that's the reason why Legends is engaging with all the former ball players so that we can continue to be that support for each other. 
And I want to stay there because sometimes when legends transition, they sometimes have an adversarial thought as relates to the league. Did you have that at first? And were you surprised that your seventh ex-wife was able to reach out to the league and not only reach out, but some traction started that helped you eventually connect up with Randy? Oh man, this is amazing that you're saying this stuff, brother. Is the spirit of God talking to you right now? My goodness. <laughs> Do you know when I first left the NFL, I hated the NFL. I couldn't stand them because I was like trying to blame somebody. So I had to blame the NFL for what I was going through in my life. And so even though there was probably an opportunity for me to reach out for help, I refused to because I hid and I blamed the NFL for it. But then after my seventh ex-wife reached out to the NFL, instead of me reaching out to the NFL, they reached out to Randy Grimes, who got help through the NFL. And then I saw that the NFL actually is there for us, especially with, you know, the different programs that are opening up with legends and the trust and player care. They want to support us that are struggling out there. It's not the NFL's fault. It's our fault because we think just because we left the game and now all of a sudden we're not famous anymore, that it's somebody else's fault. No, it's our fault. And that's the reason why I got to be transparent and let you brothers know that you just got to start getting back together so that you can see what you went through in your life is going to come up to be a gift. What you struggle with, you're going to be able to use to help save somebody else's life. That's what you did during your career. When you fell down, you had to get back up. The only way you got muscles was by working out. The only way you won games is by preparing for the game. It's the same way in life. Hmm. Van, speak to the seventh ex-wife. It's intriguing. The seventh number completion. You and I understand that. What would you say to a girlfriend or a wife who's seeing a legend or a current player on a destructive path? Why? What, what was in the seventh wife that provoked her to move to see if she can get you help. I'll be honest with you, man. She was a woman of God. She was a woman of faith. And even though she had to leave me because not only was I cheating on her, but I was trying to rip her off and taking different things from her. Mm. And she ended up having to leave me, but she didn't give up hope. And that's the reason why she reached out to the NFL. And this is what I want to tell every wife that might be watching this right now is I'm sorry for your husband because of the trauma that he may have grown up around, the trauma that he went through maybe in his career. I want you guys to be educated and know that it's not your fault. It's our fault, but we just want to blame everybody else. And do you know what I did? The first thing I did when I got clean, after the NFL paid for me to go to treatment, I went actually and set up in front of a church in Denver, Colorado. And I asked people to raise their hands if they knew any of my ex-wives. Do you know that half the church out of 3,000 people knew six of my ex-wives? And then the other half knew my children that I abandoned. And so I got on my knees and I just cried out and said, please tell them all that I'm sorry because it was my fault. I'm the one that destroyed their lives and my kids' lives. It wasn't them. That's what I did. And so my seventh ex-wife actually was just the one that, you know what? She figured, you know what? I got to try to help this guy because he doesn't understand what's going on in his life and how broken he is. So she's the one that reached out to help save my life. Wow. Why do you think that 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 teammate, Randy, that that legend why is it so important and what do people not know about the locker room which a lot of us miss when we leave the game you know how we always say what happens in the locker room stays in the locker room right because sometimes we don't even tell our coaches what's really going on in our life but we'll tell our teammates well it's the same thing after our careers are over with we got to stay engaged unfortunately we go hide out when our career is over Mm -hmm. with here's a question how did you hide you mentioned you said i would hide how, how how would you hide so someone that has a legend or a current player around them that is hiding, 
how how would we identify that? That's a, that's a really good question. And how I hit was this. I just lived a lie when I was off the field. I would always, when I was around fans and around family and around other people who recognized me, pretend like everything was fine. But then I would just go do my own thing and I would just disappear on people. And then I show back up once in a while. Well, I think everyone that knows a former ball player or knows a, that is in relationship with a former ball player, you'll be able to see how he acts behind the scenes so that you can maybe reach out to the legends or the trust or the player care or whoever you can reach out to, to let them know that I need to reach out to a former ball player to talk to my husband or to talk to my child or to talk to my loved one. In fact, I got a guy out in California. I won't mention any names and I'll help you right now. I got a guy to call me just last night down in Florida, who's a former ball player right. because they're starting to see and hear me on these different podcasts and things like that. And they know that there's hope out there and it's the family members who are reaching out to me to reach out to their loved one. And that's it we're right into because you've also joined the cast of A&E Network show Intervention. What has that been like? It's been amazing. Do you know when I was after my career and I was struggling with my addiction, one of my favorite shows was watching the A&E show Intervention. And I used to like hope one day somebody would do an intervention on me, but I knew that I would probably say no. However, watching the show, I start realizing that there was actually hope because I saw some things that I was going through, but for some reason, these people turned themselves over to get the help that they need. So when A&E Intervention reached out to me, I was like, are you serious? You guys want me to be a part of your show? I can't wait to be a part of it. I'm going to be honest with you. It's real. It is not acting. It is real. And that's the reason why I'm a part of the A&E Show Intervention. And I'm looking forward to doing this for the rest of my life because it was the promise I made to God when I got clean that I was going to go find me. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now for the rest of my life. Were there any prior to this opportunity, were there any other interventions that you had attempted prior to? Oh, guys, I did so many interventions. I, I probably did over 100 interventions over the last few years. What? And oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, there was a guy actually that ended up ODing in the streets of Trenton, New Jersey, that I had a chance to go and save after they brought him back. I ended up rushing him and getting him on an airplane. I did an intervention on a guy out in India. In another country, I also went up to Canada. So when people reach out to me to do interventions, I'm mm -hmm. that person that's going to be there. And that's what I've been doing for years. And so then when a and &E reached out to me to be a part of the intervention show, I couldn't wait to be a part of it. What are some essential elements to a successful recovery, Vance? Well, the essential element to a successful recovery is this. And this, whether you're a believer like I am or not, because I always let everybody know there are many roads to recovery. But being a man in faith, I literally had to surrender myself to a higher power because I thought that I was the one that could do everything. But unfortunately, when I got to a point where I had no more faith in myself, I had to crash. And I just had to just surrender myself and my life over to, like I said, my Savior, Jesus Christ. You've done interventions with NFL, NFL legends. You've mentioned that. Do they open up to you because you're so transparent? You know, it's really interesting how former ball players, when family members can't convince them to get into treatment, Wives can't convince them to get into treatment. Friends can't convince them to get into treatment. For some reason, when a former ball player who played in the NFL the same way they did reaches out to them, they're honest, especially if you're not just giving a call to say, hey, man, I heard you're struggling, but right. you give a call and say, hey, man, this is so-and-so. I just want to let you know that I was dealing with some stuff in my life and I'm clean now. And I just want to reach out to you because I heard you were struggling and I'm here for you. Do you know how fast they end up saying yes? It's just amazing. And that's the reason why every former ball player that I've reached out to that was struggling, guess what they said? Vance, man, thank you for reaching out. I need some help, man. Let's talk about your bonds. 
Tell me about Randall Cunningham and how he's been a legend that you've connected with. Randall Cunningham is amazing, brother. So I met Randall Cunningham at the East-West Shrine game back in the day, back in the early the early 80s. Are you serious? Where, yes. I, we were at the East-West <laughs> Shrine game. I had never played wide receiver. And so Randall, Randy, I'm sorry, Randall Cunningham was showing me how to run routes and he was throwing the ball to me. And at that game, we got a $2,500 check. My father, who I hated at the time, told me, you better give Randall that money and tell him to throw you 14 passes. So I was mad at my dad. But I gave Randall the check. And Are you Randall serious? Four, yes, he threw me 14 passes. I caught 13 of them. <laughs> Man, you, your dad gave you that wisdom? <laughs> and then that leads me to another part of the story. So Randall Cunningham getting me drafted in the NFL when I was moving out to Las Vegas to be a part of a treatment program out here called the Vance Johnson Recovery Center, mm -hmm. I actually found out that Randall Cunningham was a pastor in Las Vegas. And so I reached out to him and said, brother, I got to be under you when I get out there. So we engaged, man. I was going to his church. I was going to the Bible study and we were spending time together. The NFL reaches out to him because the Raiders came to town and said, hey, Randall, you know, who do you know that we can maybe have come be our uniform inspector? Guess who he handed the ball off to again? Oh, wow. Vance Johnson. Now, you just mentioned a Vance Johnson recovery center as if we're just going to gloss over that. What What is it? Well, you know, what I'm doing is we're just now starting this thing off is I really want to help former ball players, And so that's the reason why I've been reaching out to a number of players over the years. And right now we're putting together a program so that we can be that resource for ball players that are needing to get into treatment who want to be ball players. Ball players, we're also helping vets. And a lot of ball players need more than just dealing with their addictions. We have a lot of mental health and a lot of trauma, a lot of injuries that we're going through and dealing with. And so after we get done with treatment, sometimes we fall off and we need that next level of care. And that's another thing about legends is you offer different many layers of care for ball players, not just to get into treatment, but all different types of resources. But this is going to be my, my plan for the rest of my life. And I'm looking at other different options too, to just to make sure we keep having those different layers and levels of care for ball players that are struggling. Vince, as we close this out, if you could succinctly look into the eyes of that legend, that current player, how do our brothers get over the disappointment of their fathers? Wow. That's a really good question, man. This is how we get over the disappointment with our fathers, guys. You have to know that your father had a father. And your father had a father. And depending on what he had to grow up in and around, that little boy inside of your father might still be struggling and dealing with life the way he had to grow up. And unfortunately, you had to be a part of that. And so that's why you may have gone through some trauma in your life. And that's the reason why I tell people, man, that's the reason why I lean on my faith. And I also ask for forgiveness. It's all wow. about forgiveness, man. And hmm. Vance, where, where can we find NE's intervention? Well, the, the new season started on March 15th this year, actually. And you'll be able to watch the show Intervention. Mine's going to be coming up. And actually, guys, you're going to see some really amazing shows where people are just so transparent. A lot of people were broken out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Addiction has risen to a whole nother level because of 2020. Right. And the show Intervention is a place where you're going to see that there is hope. And if there was ever a season for Intervention to be shared, would be today. And so I would really encourage all of you to go to the show Intervention and just watch it and know that, you know what, your loved one might need some help. And you'll be able to identify because you'll see people that are struggling, but help is out there waiting for you. Where can we connect with you? Well, well, people can do a couple of things. Number one, you can go to my website, VanceInspires.org. That's how you can reach out to me. Mm -hmm. In fact, my phone number is on there. And you can also shoot me an email. 
and I'll reach back out to you and offer any type of support that I can. The other thing you can do, and this is what's really cool, you can call a phone number with my football number, 888-82-BANTS. 888-82-BANTS. That's how you can reach out to me. I'm here for you, man. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully engaging and partnering with the legends because that's what's really important to me now is being back a part of the community that I abandoned, but you guys saved me. This has been outstanding, Vance. Thanks for joining us. The best is yet to come. Thank you for joining us. This has been the NFL Legends Podcast. To provide feedback or request a topic for discussion, email us at nfllegends at nfl.com. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.